Welcome to episode 71 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This episode is with Mita Singh. Mita's a sleep doctor um, and she came on to talk about why sleep matters. So we've had a few episodes on sleep so far. I think it's always great information um, to get out there for coaches and players. We covered a number of, of different areas from circadian river, uh, rhythms to chronotypes. We spoke about why sleep matters. We spoke about the effect of sleep on performance. And we covered um, caffeine as well, caffeine intake, whether that's good, bad. When, when do we need to be taking caffeine in? What do we need to be wary of when we're taking it in? And then we finished up on some um, conversation on immunity and sleep as well. So... We, when we were recording, obviously it's, it's like mid March at the moment. As this episode, or to the end of March now, as, as this episode goes out, um, and the coronavirus is is spreading, so we spoke about immunity and how we can boost our immunity and what we need to be aware of in um, as, in terms of linking it to sleep as well. So that was something very. Um, topical at the moment in terms of that conversation. So it was great to get that information from Mita. So I hope you enjoy all the areas that we cover in the, in this episode. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's got in touch regarding episode 69 and 70. So I said last week that um, why are we in, we're in this isolation period? We're going to be putting out a couple of podcasts per week to get a little bit more content out there. So the episode with Harry Routledge and um, Steve Tashjian last week, both those episodes went out. We had some great feedback on those episodes as well. So thank you to everyone that dropped us a message and got in touch. And it'll be the same this week. So we've got this episode going out with Meter, um, and then there'll be another episode following later on in the week as well. So plenty of content for you guys in this period where you might have a little bit more extra time and you can work your way through the podcast. I also just wanted to say that if you do have any podcast recommendations or any guests that you want to hear on the podcast, please reach out. Drop us a message on Twitter or Instagram. The uh, links for those are at footballfitfed or you can email us as well, mail at footballfitfed.com. Anyone that you think would um, be good to hear on the show and that brings something to the show that you guys want to hear in this time. Um, so please reach out if you can think of anyone. Hope you enjoy the episode with Mita, and here it is. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 71. I'm delighted to be joined today by Mita Singh, who is a sleep doctor. Mita, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Now, Mita, I've just mentioned um, one of your roles, and it's Dr. Mita Singh as well, which, I've, uh, which I didn't mention at the start, but... Do you want to go into your background, who you've worked with and what your roles are at the moment? Okay, so I am a sleep medicine specialist. I did my psychiatry training at Mayo Clinic and then trained in a sleep medicine fellowship at the Henry Ford Sleep Disorder Center, which is present at, in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And that's where I have a clinical practice. I've been in practice now since 2005. And, um, you know, the Henry Ford Sleep Disorder Centers, it's really a very unique place to practice. I'm part of a <clears throat> multidisciplinary team here, and I see patients of all ages who have sleep disorders. And, of course, we also have a sleep research center. And um, 
so our center is it's it's ranked amongst the top funded centers in the country and we focus our research on studying normal and abnormal sleep um insomnia um the effects of shift work long term effects of sleep medication uh drugs and alcohol on sleep and uh, and of course uh, we were introduced with by Fergus and so i know him because i also have a niche practice in which i advise and work with pro athletes and professional um uh, um sports teams um and the goal is sleep optimization and seeing athletes with sleep disorders <clears throat> yeah that's great and that's something obviously that we want to focus on in this episode because a lot of coaches that are listening are going to be working with um professional players possibly semi professional players um so they want to they basically going to want to know how they can use sleep to help their players perform better on the pitch but i think one area you've mentioned now which is a real interest of mine is where you talked about working um and researching around shift working because in football or soccer in the in the UK but across Europe as well players will play games at different times mm-hmm. um so that'll obviously affect different things in terms of their preparation so can you just go into like your approach to um sleep and recovery with with some of the professional players that you've worked with okay so that's an interesting uh question so and i think what you're referring to is the issues athletes may have because of either frequent travel different um timings of their training schedule and different start times for games and of course um there can be issues with the timing of when uh, athletes are sleeping or supposed to be awake and that can be misaligned with their circadian system and it can cause sleep wake dysfunction disruption and it can cause problems with uh with their sleeping and 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 as a result of course difficult it will cause a problem with their performance okay so i think first we should begin with a uh let, let's talk about the circadian system so that your audience is aware of what it is so in human beings the master circadian clock is located in our brain and it's synchronized to your environment by exposure to light and dark of the day and night so so if you've ever noticed that you tend to feel energized and drowsy around the same time every day that's you have your circadian rhythm to thank for uh so in addition to the master circadian clock which we have in our brain we now know that we have local clocks in almost every cell in our body which is under um local control and it's controlled by the master clock so the master clock really functions like a master conductor coordinating the timing and functions of all the clocks and therefore all the functions in our body and you know one other aspect um that your audience would be interested in is um chronotype which is you know a genetically predetermined predisposition that modifies whether individuals prefer to be more active in the morning so either they're morning larks or they're more um they prefer to be more active in the evening so they're night owls so this is also genetically driven so uh so with that background there are many ways in which 
you know, your circadian system can affect athlete physiology, their health, their performance. So, for example, you know, especially in team sports, Ben, uh, daily training or competition schedules, including their bedtimes, are planned for the entire team. But athletes, they have individual chronotypes, and that may not align with the schedules. For example, if an athlete is a night owl, who prefers to go to bed really late and you know wants to sleep in they you know they may not be able to fall asleep at the recommended time that the team wants them to go to sleep and so they may present with difficulty falling asleep at night and then uh, they may not they may have to wake up too early in the morning to train or to compete and so they may not get enough sleep you know, in contrast, if you're a if you're a morning lark and you prefer to get to bed early and you wake up early, you you know they, because uh, teams are busy in the evening because of night games, they may not be able to get to bed on time, but you know will still wake up early in the morning because they're a morning person and thus they can become sleep deprived. So and of course sometimes it's game timing itself that can disrupt your sleep wake cycle. So. Uh, you know, uh, here in the in in the U.S., you, there's Major League Baseball where there are night games, and then on some days there are day games. And for the day game, uh, you know, athletes will have to wake up three hours earlier than their regular than the regular time they'd have to wake up during night games. So, so with that, you know, explanation, uh, the answer to your question is that if the sleep schedules always have to be made with game timings in mind. And so you have to take into account travel, individual chronotypes. And it's, you know, it, it's a complex situation, but you have to kind of make it simpler so that the recommendations are very simple and easy to follow. Yeah, that's, that, I think that information is great because it really applies to um, a lot of coaches and, and the sort of schedules they'll be dealing with. Because a lot of the game times over here will vary from lunchtime to sort of mid-afternoon and there will be some evening games as well. Um, so it is a case of constantly adapting. I think it'll be so great. I, if I may say something, you know, I, I'll tell you, because I have spoken to and consulted with a few, um, you know, soccer teams in Europe. And, uh, and I understand that some games begin in the afternoon and some of them begin in the evening. And really, the one thing you want to do is try to bring regularity to your sleep schedule. And so if, if, you know, if you can make sure that the players get enough time in bed and don't wake up too early, that itself is something that will protect their sleep time. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. And then uh, what I was going to ask is for you to go into some some more practical tips on how players can boost sleep. So anything that they could do or coaches could recommend into a routine to make sure that we're getting the most out of sleep. And then also just touching on the fact of the, the impact that sleep has on performance. Okay, so... Uh, you know, I think I think we should do the second question first, and you know, talk about what the impact uh, sleep has on performance. Because oftentimes, uh, Ben athletes 
you know, they, they don't pay attention to their sleep because they really don't know why sleep matters for the athlete. And I, my approach is always to talk about, you know, to educate the players uh, about this information because that helps the player make the decision to make time for bed, right? Because sleep is something, you know, it's a deeply personal thing that somebody does in their own home. So you want to really, you know, give them this information that would help motivate them to make those changes to, uh, so that they can prioritize sleep. So, the, you know, when people ask why sleep matters for the athlete, the short answer is that sleep matters because it's essential to life. It's, you know, it's a biological need and it affects every aspect of performance. And the way it does that is because while you're asleep, sleep forces you to physically be inactive and for mental recovery to happen. And so you're, you're in, you know, you're, because you're not interacting with the environment, that's when rest and recovery will happen. And so, so think about sleep as being that single switch circuit board. And if that fails, almost every other switch will fail. And so let's count the way that sleep affects athletic performance. First is it's your reaction time, right? It's so sleep, if you don't get enough sleep, you're slower, you're less accurate. And, you know, this reduction in your reaction time occurs in a dose-dependent fashion, which means that if you're getting six hours in bed versus seven versus eight, uh, you know, your reaction time is slower when you get six versus seven versus eight. So it's, you know, it, the less sleep you get, the, the slower you're going to be. It also affects your decision-making capabilities. So when you make decisions when you're sleep-deprived, your um, the the good judgment, the part of the brain that's responsible for making good decisions, for good judgment is impaired, while your emotional brain is overactive. So your decisions are more likely to be impaired. And so that directly contributes to errors. And then, of course, um, we know that if you get less sleep, it increases your uh, risk-taking behavior. So if you take that in combination with the fact that you're slowed down, you're less accurate, then the chances of injuries increase. And of course, you need good sleep to recover from any injury. So for example, um, testosterone is reduced if you don't get enough sleep. Growth hormone is secreted while you're sleeping. And so there are multiple reasons why athletes need to make sure they get enough time in bed. And, you know, I, I tell athletes that I would approach sleep and recovery the same way as they approach, um, you know, diet and training. You plan for it. And then, you know, if you want, you can, you can even, um, uh, you know, record it or monitor it. And then you get it done. And, you know, you want to make sure, and, and, and it starts always with education, because once they know why it's important, then they're going to uh, 
make an effort to make it happen. And then what, what are some practical tips or things that you've put into place with Players Meter that will help to boost sleep? Because I'm hoping that everyone listening now will realise how important it is, but if, if people are struggling to sleep or they don't feel like they're getting the right amount of recovery, what are some things that you put in place to, to improve the quality of the sleep? Well, so here are some simple sleep um, uh, you know, rules that you can follow. So first is you want to try to establish a very regular bedtime and waking up time. And sometimes with athletes, this begins becomes difficult because of their changing schedules but but uh you know it but but i it's actually much easier in european athletes who you know who don't travel and don't cross as many time zones as the ones uh based in the us do so that's number one the second thing is to build a good winding down schedule and so you know, this approx should take about 35 to 45 minutes. And so this is a very mindful way of approaching your sleep time. Um, you know, and I, I give this example that if you're, if you're uh, you know, if there's a big aeroplane in the, a plane in the sky, when it, when it is, has to land, it doesn't just drop from the, sl- the sky. You know, it, it has this entire process in which it's preparing to land. And that process can take um, a, a little bit of time. And so I suggest 35 to 45 minutes of winding down, which include a hot bath or a shower. You know, maybe some stretching exercises, maybe some meditation and prayer, reading a book, listening to a book or a podcast. Um, the second thing is there are some no-nos. So, you know, you want to avoid drinking too much alcohol two to three hours before bedtime because it may, it may help you fall asleep, but it tends to fracture your sleep as the night progresses. You don't want to smoke or chew tobacco because both of them interfere with sleep. You want to avoid caffeine use three to five hours before your bedtime. And, and maybe we should talk about coffee a little bit more after this question is done. You want to avoid heavy, spicy, sugary foods too high, too close to your bedtime. So two to three hours before bedtime. Maybe a light snack because sometimes athletes do get hungry. Um, you know, make sure that the bedroom itself is, is comfortable. The bedroom should be cold. It should be dark. There should be minimal light uh, you want to reserve your bedroom for sleep and sex only. You know, don't use it for any other recreation. Uh, and then, and uh, you know, you want to keep, and, and of course, during the day, you want to make sure you spend enough time outdoors, getting enough sunlight, because that's what strengthens your circadian system. And, you know, this is often a problem with, say, foot, uh, basketball players, because, you know, especially in the U.S., um, everything is indoors. So they're not really going out very much. Um, and, and, and I think that, that would be what I would say would be the basics of approaching sleep um, for athletes. I think that's some great advice there. I think, I think it would be really good to touch on um, coffee or caffeine because I know there'll be a lot of players out there that probably wake up in the morning, they'll have the 
coffee as they get up, then they'll be preparing for the game and they'll probably have an energy drink that's got caffeine in it. They might take some caffeine tablets and then even have one late at night, like you said. So can you just touch on the effects of it and, and what we should be doing, how we should be using caffeine or, or coffee or whether you just however you want to approach it? Okay, so so firstly, caffeine, the way it has its uh, mechanism of action is that it goes and attaches to that part of the brain where the the neurotransmitter that that is responsible for sleepiness attaches. So it blocks the effect of the sleepiness uh, neurotransmitter. Now, uh, you know, the onset of action is between 20 to 25 minutes, but its half-life is about five to six hours, which means that if you drink a cup of coffee or any caffeinated beverage, you know, at about 7 p.m. before an evening game, then at 11 o'clock, so five hours later, half of it is still in your system. You know, and so that's just something to keep in mind. Um, and uh, like you said, they, you know, people will drink a lot of caffeine, especially just before their game. The other thing is that um, caffeine does reduce your reaction time. So it makes you faster. It does make you more accurate, and that's good. But if you're sleep-deprived, uh, studies have shown that caffeine will make you faster, but it doesn't improve decision-making process. So what, it, what happens is that you're, you're actually going to make bad decisions faster. So it, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't improve um, the, the judgment uh, part of your brain. So that's just, an, that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, I'm thinking what else I should tell you about caffeine. You know, so the other thing is that if you, if you drink caffeine on a regular basis, you develop something called tolerance, which means that over time you need more and more of the caffeine for the same effect. And in fact, in people who are habitually using caffeine and habitual caffeine use is defined as four to five cups, you know, on a daily basis, for them, the improvement in reaction time and in accuracy is actually not very much. But when they stop the caffeine, they all develop a, they develop a um, withdrawals. I hope you're taking plenty from this episode so far with me to that. There is plenty of information in this one um, on all areas of sleep. I just wanted to give another quick update on our online community. So as I've mentioned in previous episodes now, we have now got 10 presentations from our network meeting uh, network meetings available on the community from all over the UK from Brighton up to Celtic to Preston um, so they're all available to watch on demand on the community there's also over five hours of webinars on there and we will be adding to that over the next few weeks as well um, so they're available on demand as well as soon as you sign up to the community um, you can sign up by going to footballfitfed.com, clicking the community tab and signing up there. You get a free month when you sign up 
and it is only £4.99 after that per month going forward. Um, there's a lot of people that do come onto the sign-up process. You do need to make sure that you go right through the PayPal as well as just the initial sign-up um, on the website just to make sure you get your free month on there as well. So just be wary of that when you are signing up. We've got loads of coaches on there now. It's a really good mix of coaches from loads of different clubs, from LA Galaxy to Aston Villa to Benfica to Burton Albion. We've got all sorts of coaches from all sorts of levels. So there are, there's some good chat going on on our forum as well. Um, and the more coaches we can get on the better because it just gives a loads of different um, points of view and topics of conversation as well so go and check it out footballfitfed.com click the community tab sign up there get yourself a free month have a search around if you want to stay a member it will charge £4.99 a month but all of our future network meeting presentations will be going on there as well as future webinars here is the rest of the episode with Mita. No, I think that I think that's great, Mita, because there'll be some players out there, and, and this applies to coaches as well, but that'll say, well, I can drink caffeine all day and I, I won't necessarily um, feel the effects. I, I don't feel like it does have a negative effect on my sleep. So what would you say to people that say that? Is it a case that they still need to watch their intake? or? Well, yes. So, so, I, so caffeine is... Uh, you know, it's re- it's a great way to enhance performance if you're not getting enough sleep. So my my suggestion always is to first try to make sure you get enough sleep. And then if you do drink caffeine, you want to do it in a very strategic manner. And strategically using caffeine would be that you didn't do it, drink it on a regular basis. You may have, you know, uh, some when you need it, which might be before a game. And then you have to be keep in mind that it's going to last in your system. So, so it is going to interfere with sleep that night. So, you know, be prepared for the fact that you may sleep a little less. And the way you prepare for that is by getting enough sleep the night before, all the nights leading up to the game, and then playing catch up once that caffeine is out of your system, you know, in the, um, in the next few days. I, uh, you know, I, I just thought of one more thing I should mention here. Uh, you know, you were asking about what other strategies we should think for athletes. And I think napping is a great way to make sure you get enough sleep if you can't get enough at night. So naps supplement the amount of sleep you get at night. Yeah, and that was something I was going to ask you about. So in terms of like an approach to napping, power napping, or whatever you want to call it, what would be some things we need to be aware of with that? What is a nap? Is it a, is it a 15-minute sort of sleep, or do we go to bed and, and go to bed for a couple of hours? What what do we need to be aware of? So, so when we talk about naps, there are a couple of things you want to pay attention to. The first is the length of the nap. Right. So I'm sure you've heard of the term power nap and a power nap is, you know, 15 to 25 minutes. And when you when you sleep for about 15 to 25 minutes and wake up from that nap, you have some amount of very light sleep. But that itself is refreshing. In fact, the term power nap came about because astronauts, that's what astronauts use while in space, because that's how they're able to, um, you know, that's what they need to supplement the amount of sleep they get on their, um, the skewed, they have, a, they have a different schedule when they're up um, in space. So that's a power nap. 
then the second length would be 35 minutes because when you sleep for about 35 minutes, you get some amount of stage two sleep. And so that's a little, you know, so the depth of your sleep is a little more. That too is very refreshing. And then the third nap is a 90 minutes a nap. That's like the granddaddy of naps in which you get a complete sleep cycle. That's stage one, stage two, delta sleep, which is deep sleep, and dream sleep, which is REM sleep, and then you wake up. Now, so that's one. That's the, those are the lengths of the nap. Then there's also the timing of naps that is important. So you want to take the nap uh, typically in the mid-afternoon where there is a natural dip in your circadian alertness. And so that would be a good time to take a nap. You, don't, you want to not take a nap in the late evening because that might interfere with your ability to sleep late at night. And you don't want to take a nap within a couple of hours of your game time because sometimes when you wake up from a nap, you may feel a little groggy. It's called having sleep inertia and you don't want to interfere, that to interfere with your game performance. Yeah, I, um, I think that's, that's what I would tell people about naps. Uh, the one more thing, you know, in people who have difficulty sleeping, initiating or maintaining sleep at night. In that case, I would suggest that you don't take a nap because a nap will take away from that sleep drive that builds up during the day that you need to sleep at night. Cool. I think that's some, some good practical advice that people can take away. And I think it'll be good now to go into your approach to sleep scheduling and then also just tying that in with the work that you've done with, um, I think you've worked with the, the national team, is that right, over there? Washington, yes, I do. I, I work with, a, um, I have worked with multiple teams in the NFL, the MLB, NBA, and the NHL. But uh, last year, during the last season, I was, uh, you know, I was honored to contribute to the Washington Nationals and they won the World Series. So, um, yeah, that was kind of neat. So, uh, you know, whenever at, as with any team or any individual athlete that I work with, I always divide the sleep issues facing any pro athlete into three categories. The first major sleep challenge is that cumulative sleep deprivation or fatigue that can develop during the season. And, uh, and uh, which is not difficult to understand given you know, their long schedule. So, you know, here in the U.S., it's like 162 regular season games in Major League Baseball, 82 games for the NBA or NHL, or 17 games for the NFL. And many times these games will occur on consecutive days or at least two to five days a week. And, um, you know, at least in the U.S., they play a game, they board a flight, they travel to the next destination. And so um, the schedule itself results in a lot of sleep deprivation. And so that is one focus of my work. And the way I approach it is by education and then by showing them, uh, you know, how to fit sleep into their daily schedule. Uh, so that, so that, uh, so that, so that they can make time for it. It can happen and to how to use, you know, um, sleep banking, 
um, and naps uh, to to get, make sure you get enough sleep. And and banking sleep is a is a very interesting concept. It basically means that whenever you know you're going to get into a situation where you'll get less sleep, the best way you can approach it is by making sure you get enough sleep now. And I'll give you an example. So if I knew on, I knew that I was going to be on call in the hospital uh, on Monday and I wouldn't get enough sleep, the best thing I can do now over the weekend is to make sure I get enough sleep because that's how, you know, I would fill the pot of my sleep and I would bank that sleep because that would help me tolerate sleep deprivation better. So, so sleep deprivation, the best way it can be addressed during a season is by, by banking sleep when you know you need, you're going to get less sleep. You know, by being able to tolerate that sleep deprivation or maximizing the time, the sleep you get under most circumstances, and then by playing catch up once that's over, by taking naps, etc. And uh, and I typically do that by you know looking at their schedule and uh, you know another fancy word for it is sleep scheduling. Now, now the second thing, of course, is something we've already covered, which is that pro athletes face. A problem in the timing of when they sleep um, and so there can be a disruption to their sleep-wake pattern because of the misalignment between the circadian timing system uh, and their sleep-wake pattern and this and so they may have difficulty falling asleep they may be excessively sleepy they may have all both and and of course uh, their suboptimal performance because of this misalignment uh, and, you know, it's because of frequent travels, etc. And so this needs to be addressed. And then, of course, finally, the third category is that oftentimes individuals have uh, problems with insomnia or difficulty winding down or they may have a sleep disorder. And this I address on an individual basis. No, that's great. And I know you mentioned before about crossing time zones and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. something we will do too much um, over here and I know right now we're in a position where no no one's playing and there's not there's no games going on but um, in season we will have clubs that will be travelling across Europe and um, sometimes further as well so it'd be great for you to touch on some aspects of crossing time zones and the sort of approach to that and then and possibly also going into the effect of jet lag as well and how we get around that okay so let's for your audience, let's begin with a definition of jet lag so that they understand what jet lag actually is. So remember the circadian rhythms we just talked about, which are your intrinsic timekeeping rhythms that are in your body. You have them, you know, and and your, your biological circadian rhythms are synchronized to your local time zone. So I, for example, I'm in Detroit, Michigan. My uh, my rhythms are synchronized to uh, the East East Coast time in the US. Now, whenever you take a jet and you rapidly cross time zones and get to a new time zone, then your circadian rhythms now lag behind. So if I took a jet and flew to California, my circadian rhythm would, would lag behind. It's, they would still, for the first couple of days, 
be on Detroit time. And therefore, and, and so my circadian clock would be scrambling to get my rhythms in sync to the new time zone. And that is what results in all the symptoms of jet lag, which is either difficulty sleeping uh, at the new time zone or you know, excessive sleepiness when you should be awake in the new time zone or feeling dizzy or, you know, having a tummy ache. Because, because remember, the circadian clock or that, that timekeeping clock is present not just in your brain, but also in every cell in your body. So all your, you know, all your different organs, you know, your, your stomach, your respiration, your cardiovascular system, all of them are now out of sync. And they all actually realign at different uh, rates. Okay, so now with that background, uh, whenever, whenever you're working with athletes, uh, the, the primary goal is to realign your circadian system rapid, as rapidly as you can to the new time zone. So A, you can sleep well. And number two is that you can, uh, you can realign your, um, your performance time to the game time. You know, we, we, here I'm going to digress a little bit because I did not talk about this. I should tell your audience this too. So, so because every physiological function in your body has a circadian rhythm, so all the things that are responsible for athletic performance actually have a time during the day when, when they tend to peak. So things like your muscle strength, um, you know, your, your, um, uh, how fast you are, etc. they tend to peak. And typically for people, for most people, on an average, they peak between four and seven in the evening. And because they peak in the evening, you know, ideally you want, uh, you want the time that you have a biological peak in your uh, athletic performance to pee, to coincide with game timings, right? So whenever whenever athletes cross time zones and they get jet lagged, it's not just that they have difficulty sleeping and uh, all the symptoms we just described, but in addition, their their peak performance is now out of sync to the new time zone, and that's another reason for them to get realigned. Now. The approach, the way that you approach it is basically behavioral. And of course, sometimes we may need to use medications like melatonin, but it all depends on the length of stay, how many time zones you're crossing, the timing of the competition. And based on that, I will typically draw out a plan and make recommendations about you know, what the flight timing should be, what time they should be going to sleep, what time they should wake up. And always been the, the main tools are always timed uh, bright light exposure or avoidance. Because remember, your circadian clock gets shifted based on its exposure to bright light or its exposure to darkness. And of course, uh, I also, you know, my one, uh, one bottom line I tell players is that if you know you're going to be traveling the best thing you can do is get on that plane well-rested. So make sure you get enough sleep while you're at, at, um, at home itself. And then, of course, once you get to the night, new time zone, um, you know, follow the recommendations of when you should be getting into bed. 
what, what time you should be waking up, what time you should be exposing yourself to bright light, when you should wear glasses to avoid bright light, um, and, and the timing of food as well as exercise is also important because food and exercise can also shift your clock. So how would we use food and exercise? Is that just a case of getting it into the regular pattern of our eating or how do we go about that? Yep, you hit the you hit the nail on the head. For food, you want to try and eat always eat food meals at the local destination meal times. And as for exercise, you know, exercise in the morning and early afternoon will help you go to bed earlier, while exercise late at night will shift your clock and make make you go to bed later. So if I was to come fly from the US to England, which is about five to six hours earlier, then I would, uh, I would be exposing myself to bright light in the morning because that would help shift my clock to an earlier time. And I would, I would avoid bright light at night. I would exercise early in the morning because that's what would help shift my clock in the direction I want to. And I would avoid exercise late at night because that would prevent me from going to sleep. So again, um, you know, I, I hope I've not made it sound complicated, uh, but uh, you know, it, it is a complicated, it is a complicated concept, but once you put it down on paper, the instructions are very simple and they're very easy to follow, but they're, you know, they're best made when you have all the information on hand. So if you know what time the flight is, if you know how long the flight is, how many time zones, what time the competition is, etc. Yeah, I think it's just a case of, there's a lot of different factors, isn't it? And when you yes. take those into account, then the approach that you've talked about there and the practical tips you've given it. That's something that players or coaches could put into a routine straight away. Right, right. Well, so here are another, you know, list of practical tips for uh, that players can do while they're traveling. So firstly, again, you know, you, you want to make the environment sleep friendly. So even on a plane or a train, uh, if it's time to sleep, use eye shades, you know, use neck pillows, noise canceling headphones. Um, avoid alcohol or caffeine, both of which that inter interfere with your sleep. You know, av avoid electronic use. Um, again, you know, listen to a book or a pod podcast. Do deep breathing exercises. Those are all good places to begin. And, uh, you know, if, if you're sleepy at the new destination, maybe take a nap and you want to take advantage of the circadian clock, so maybe in the mid-afternoon, but not too long because you want to sleep at the new time zone too. And I don't think it'd be right to get you on without touching on the sort of current situation we find ourselves in, me too, in terms of the coronavirus. Um, we're the 26th of March as we record this, and the, uh -huh. a lot of the world is in lockdown right now. So... What do we need to be wary of? Obviously, um, immunity comes into this and uh, in, um, is a big part to play in this. Like, what do we need to be aware of and what can we be doing um, practically as not just players, coaches, but just as human beings? Okay, so, well, 
you know, sleep serves an absolutely vital physiological function, when, especially when it comes to the effect on its, your immune system. And, and, and of course, you know, nothing is more relevant at this point, at this, in this moment in time. So the, there is no doubt that you become sleepier if you have an infection, right? We've heard, all heard about a good night's sleep is the best medicine for an infection. But you, the one thing we need to know also is that a good night of sleep actually helps you fight off the infection too. So let's explore why this is true. So, I want, you know, just briefly, let's talk about the immune system. Now, the first line of defense for anybody is your skin. It's a, a physical barrier and, uh, and that prevents any sort of pathogen from coming in. But once any pathogen, you know, say a bacteria or viruses, parasites have entered your body, then you have an army of cells that get recruited and that target the pathogens. So the first kind of defense is something called your innate immune cells. What they do is they fight everything. So, and they have these you know, cool properties. So these cells can eat the pathogen or they can release killer substances that can kill it. And, and uh, you know, the second thing is that, if you, that there is another kind of immunity. So if, if this innate immunity doesn't kill the pathogen, then you develop something called adaptive immunity, which basically means that once you've been exposed to an infection, your cells recognize that infection, they learn from it, they learn how to fight it, so that if you ever see it again, we can mount a defense. And this is exactly how vaccines work. So, you know, you have controlled exposure to, an, to a pathogen, and then we develop a smart immunity that helps you defend it the second time around. And so, you know, there's a lot of research that shows that you need good sleep for a healthy immune system. So in short, skimping on sleep will, first of all, increases the chances of you getting an infection. So, you know, there's a study that shows that if you get less than six hours of sleep, that increases your chances of developing a cold four to times, four to five times more than somebody who's getting more than six hours of sleep. Once they've, they've had an experimental challenge with the um, common cold virus. And, uh, and of course, uh, there's another st study that looks at what happens once you've gotten a vaccine. So if you've, um, if you've had, if you've, you know, if you've been vaccinated, um, and within the seven, if you've been sleeping well after uh, you've been vaccinated, you're more likely to develop uh, that, that adaptive immunity or develop an antibody response. Um, so that, that, that would be the science of why sleep is essential for, uh, for your immune system. Uh, I, I knew there was another question there. Did no, you... it's just, it was just based around the uh, coronavirus, really. So obviously that we've been told that we need to isolate, we need to keep ourselves away from other people, but I just think it'd be great to get your point of view on um, like immunity and, and what we need to be wary of with, with a virus, and obviously not just this virus, but other viruses as well. Um, so I think some of 
the information you gave there is great. Right. So, I, you know, just to reiterate, I think a more consistent sleep schedule becomes even more important in the days, in the current times, right? Because often, uh, in fact, most of us are actually working at home. And so it's, it's very easy to, to let go of that. And so I would say, let's begin with some very simple things you can do during the day. And I'm, I'm not sure if I'm repeating myself, but it's really essential to develop a daily routine or schedule. And that should include outdoor activity, daily exercise, you know, that, that schedule will give us some stability in life. Plus that daily exposure to outdoor light will strengthen our circadian systems. And then if you, if you, we talked about naps and if you, if you're in a habit of take, taking naps, try to limit it to a 20 to 20 to 35 minutes of nap time only at, during the day. You know, you want to keep up with your social contacts. So make sure we use technology, pick up the phone, video chat, speak with others, because that's really essential for mental health. And I know, and I know a lot of people are very stressed out. So you must share your concern with others. Don't bottle it up because that itself is bad for your sleep. Um, I would say, I would say this, especially for the younger people in your audience and I, this is what I've told my teenagers, you know, there's a hard curfew on all electronic use. So I, I would say 90 minutes before you actually have to go to sleep, you know, no electronic, no playing video games. I would suggest no emails, um, no social media, because it's, it's uh, no binge watching your favorite shows, um, because that will uh, take away from your nighttime sleep. I, I know it's, you know, we want to stay informed, but don't look at the news right before you go to bed. It's, it's only going to make it more difficult for you to fall back asleep. Um, again, we talked about meditation, you know, deep breathing, the power of prayer. Um, I think, I think we, we have it all covered. I think those are good, um, you know, take home messages. I, you know, the bottom line really is that Sleep, you know, especially adequate sleep is essential for, to ma maintain your immune health. And it will not just reduce the chances of you getting an infection, but it will also improve the outcome once you've, uh, you know, you've had uh, an infection. No, I think that's great. And I think we'd all be guilty at some point of using technology too late and seeing a knock-on effect of that and having our brain very switched on as we're trying to make it relax at, at bedtime. So I think some of the information there, Mita, has been great. I think there's loads of takeaways for coaches um, and some practical things they can put in place straight away. So if anyone wants to follow your work, if they want to um, see what you've got coming up, I don't know if you do, you're doing any speaking um, upcoming, like obviously when things settle down a little bit, where's the best place they can follow you? Well, so I have a website it's metasingmd.com um i i am very active on twitter it's my handle is at athlete sleep md1 and i am on linkedin too so i and you know if, if people have questions feel free to uh, you know ask me any questions um 
as for speaking arrangements. In fact, you know, uh, a lot of the upcoming uh, speaking arrangements, um, they have been put on hold. I was going to speak at the NBA Strength and Conditioning Coaches uh, Symposium, but I actually uh, next week am recording a podcast on just sleep and immunity. And, um, uh, you know, uh, and I have a bunch of podcasts that are being recorded over the next three or four days. I just last Sunday did a webinar with a couple of uh, two other sleep scientists to put up, uh, you know, talking about mental health and immunity and sleep. And so I can, I, I can always send you those links, but, um, but, you know, for your audience, I hope that, that we've given them good enough information for just that sleep and immunity is relevant to the, uh, to the current times. Oh, definitely. I think there's loads of information in there. So I really appreciate you coming on me too and giving up your time. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get some feedback from people listening. Um, and it was great to speak to you. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Take care. Bye-bye. Big thank you to Mita for coming on the podcast and a special thank you as well to Fergus Connolly for recommending Mita for coming on. I think she's certainly lived up to expectation in the in the value that she's provided in that episode. So I hope you took plenty from it. Please reach out, let us know what you took, what your takeaways were. I think some of mine were her information on power naps and short naps um, that players can use, but also coaches as well. The approach um, where she talked about approaching sleep the same as diet and training, I thought that sort of stuck in my mind because there's a lot of chat, a lot of time about training, different ways of training, maybe speed training, strength training, power training. We talk about nutrition a lot, but do we approach the sleep? Do we approach sleep the same way? Probably not. So trying to sort of change our mindset on that, and I think that was a really good statement that she made. Trying to approach it the same as uh, diet and training. And then also the link she made between lack of sleep or effective sleep and decision-making. So that probably perked a lot of coaches' ears up because if players aren't getting that sleep, um, it is going to affect decision-making. So obviously that's key on the pitch. So it just underlines the importance of sleep for players. Um, So definitely take into into consideration some of the points that Meta's brought up in the episode and previous episodes as well with James Wilson and um, Nick Little-Hales as well. There's been some great episodes on sleep that we've had so far and it's a topic that I do like speaking to different people about because there's loads of information out there. You can go and follow Meta on Twitter. So she's at AthleteSleepMD1. Uh, go and give her a follow. You can follow all of her work over there and obviously on her website as well, like she mentioned in the episode. Please do us a huge favor. We are putting a few extra podcasts out. So there's two a week going out at the moment, but please do us a huge favor and share in these episodes as well. So send them out to friends, family, colleagues, whoever you think will benefit from the information. Um, also, just give them a share on Twitter. Give them a retweet with a little comment on instagram put them on your story or give it a share on your page that would really help us out and if you haven't done so already i do ask quite regularly but we've not had too many on recently so i would really appreciate it if you could just take a couple of minutes 
head over to iTunes, click the five star and just leave us a short review on there as well because it does help massively on iTunes. So if you could do that for me, I would really appreciate it and then we can keep these two session a week or two podcasts a week coming, um, especially in this time when hopefully you've got a little bit more free time and you can listen to them. But massive thank you again for listening and I will speak to you later in the week with the second episode of the week.